Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, good evening and welcome. We are live here on a Wednesday. My name's Dave Parkinson. This is, of course, the Community Rugby League Show, courtesy of 13 Pro-Am. Uh, and I've got to say, I've got to say, what an Easter it was. Um, not that there was a lot of games, but I tell you what, the big game that there was in the NCL, it was worth the wait. It was absolutely superb. Wathbrow Hornets taking on Egremont Rangers. It was live in our league, the first televised fixture that appeared on that channel. Uh, and I've got to admit, I really, really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, we'd love to have your thoughts on what you thought of the coverage if you're listening into this show. Um, you know, any comments or, or otherwise, you know, about the commentary will be well received or, or you know, Maybe if you've got constructive criticism, that's fine as well, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, delighted as ever to be alongside Mr. Steve Beach. How are you, Steve? You okay? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Thanks, Parker. Totally agree. Uh, I, I tuned in at the weekend to to, uh, to to listen to you and watch the game. And it was a good game. And I must admit, uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't as easy as I, I, I thought it might have been. Uh, um you know, uh, it, it was just good coverage all round, uh, and I, I, I tweeted as well a bit later on. I said both clubs and the crowd were a credit to 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 that because we've discussed this in the past. In the past, it, it's not easy putting on games for you know sort of professionals, etc. Mm. But obviously, there's a lot of guidance and and things they've got to have in place, and that's not as easy to have in place for obviously the clubs from the the NCL and etc. Uh, and things could easily go wrong in some respects, but the crowd, the players, and everything were absolutely spot on, and that was a, a you know a great test to, to hopefully do the next. Uh, what is it? Another nine games you've got uh, coming up. Yeah, there's another nine mm-hmm. games, two of which have been announced. So let's uh, let, let's break that news as well. So we've got Hunslet Club Parkside taking on West Hull in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and I'm really pleased that uh, we've got a visit to Dewsbury Moor on the horizon. Uh, n- not only because we've got the secretary on the show, Christian, Christian Floyd has joined us yet again. I did mention that he did join us originally last week, but unfortunately due to technical difficulties, we couldn't bring you his company. I'm delighted to say he's, he's, he's agreed to join us again. Thanks, Christian. Great to have you with us again, mate. 
Yeah, thanks for having me back, Dave. A little bit earlier than I thought last week, but it's good to be back. <laughs> you did say that you did want to come back after speaking to us, so yeah, let's get you on again. Uh, <laughs> let's hope other people can hear it tonight. So um, certainly so. So yeah, so we're going to be talking all about Jewsby Moore and um, you know the the great things that have been going on at that club over the last sort of two years. A bit about the history as well, and um, there's a certain Jewsby derby in the air as well at the weekend. So we'll be getting Christian's take on that up against the old Celtic, uh, getting a bit of uh, local rivalry going. It was rivals round in Super League. It was rivals round, if you like, between the Cumbrian sides in the NCL. We'll talk about the Jewsby version in just a little while. Uh, we'll also be hearing from Frankie. He's the skipper of Wathbrow Hornet, so we'll be hearing from him about his thoughts on, on the game and also uh, his thoughts on the coverage too. Uh, we'll also be dipping into um, taking what Keith Brennan had to say. So it was a, a memorable week as far as Water Red Warriors were concerned. They won the Barla uh, National Cup by a, a record-breaking margin, um, and then they followed that up with winning the traditional Oldham Standard Cup, which I went along for the very first time on, on Good Friday. And what a cracking game and an occasion that was over at Oldham Rugby Union Club. 1,300 people in attendance. Wow. It was a fantastic atmosphere. Really, really good from start to finish. Um, now, uh, last week as well, also saw the start of the President's Cup for the women. And uh, I got to speak to Danny Rogers, UK Armed Forces women's coach. So we've also got him to, to come later on the show. Um, but before we do get cracking, Steve, uh, and before we bring Christian back into the conversation, um, what, what do you make, uh, I suppose, of the games that we've got coming up this week, at perhaps Northwest Men's League and uh, Yorkshire Men's League? Yeah, well, from, from the Northwest Men's League, I've, I've, I've sort of dipped into each division uh, to, to have a look at what I think the uh, the good games are, uh, up from, from my opinion. Uh, from a Premier point of view, the top four are all in action against each other. So we've got uh, Ashton Burrs against Oddle St James and Latchford Albion against Blackbrook. Uh, so, you know, two good games there from, from the Premier. Then we dip down into Division 1. Uh, Dalton play Hindley. Dalton are fourth currently. Hindley are top of the tree. So, again, uh, should be a good game there. Uh, Dalton had, uh, you know, so, some good results over the last few weeks. In Division 2, we've got Walney Central, the fifth and they're up against Roos Pioneers, who are just below them in six. So, obviously, uh, you know, they'll be uh, looking for points or to keep one one clear of the other uh, in that respect. Uh, Division 3, we've got Rochdale Mayfield A, who are third, and they're taking on Crossfields uh, A, who are second. So, again, uh, a lot at stake in, in, in that one. And uh, always, I, I know when the first teams match up Crossfield and, and Rochdale Mayfield, it's always a... Uh, a, a good game. Then we go down into Division Four, North and West. Uh, the only one out of this I, I could actually discern that may actually go on uh, is Oddle St James A, who are fifth, and they take on Goldburn Parkside, who are, third, uh, who are top of the tray at the moment. Uh, I know a couple of the, the games uh, teams in the past couple of weeks have not been able to get sides, etc. So I'm not sure if a couple of the games will, will actually go on. Uh, just waiting to hear back. But for me, uh, out of the whole divisions, the one uh, that just jumps out, and I've been waiting for this one all season, uh, yeah. it's Division 4 South and East. It's Burtonwood Chargers, who are fourth, up against Burtonwood Bridge, who are second. 
so it's new buys against old buys in the in the in the village, isn't it? It is very much so, and I, I do know from from a Twitter point of view, there's been a bit of banter, inverted commas, <laughs> and uh, I, I know one team has actually blocked the other team on Twitter. Uh, oh, you're joking? Oh no, no. So, uh, uh, and we know there's a history of uh, uh, you know sort of uh, uh, players etc and, and people who used to play for one club and another uh, I've, I've saw both clubs play this season uh, both play I mean I must admit Chargers have been unlucky on a couple of games that I've saw them in and then last time out they had a good win against uh, Langworthy uh, but but Woodbridge uh, always a solid solid team so uh, uh, and the pitches literally are Side by side, there's no way from the box because Burton Wood is certainly isn't the biggest of places, and it's probably the only uh, uh, rugby pitch. Or, or I think there's a football pitch, I think, further down the, the, the in the village, but uh, it's going to be good. It'd be imp- so, interesting to see how many people actually turn out. So, are you going for you know, this is perhaps the closest derby geographically, then, if there's just like a football pitch between them? <laughs> well, it's, it's not even a football pitch, literally, it, it is. Uh, the the width of um, about uh, I bet it's what three four meters because uh, wow. they are side by side that so obviously when when the, the fixture comes where it's the other way around literally they just move to the other pitch to to play so it's uh, it's it's going to be good uh, yeah uh, yeah it's it's going to be tasty I just I just know it and knowing some of the characters that are playing as well uh, it's uh, you know yeah. Uh, all I can say, if if you've not got a game on in in your area, uh, and and you want to go and down and watch a game, get down to this one. Uh, certainly, it, it, it's going to be great. Sounds like it's going to be tasty. Um, mm. uh, what about the Yorkshire Men's League? What's caught your eye there? Just, just one more before we finish the uh, uh, Northwest Men's uh, Division Five. Garswood Stags Reserves who are fourth. They take on Wigan Springview A, who were fifth. So again, another one which. Are, uh, uh, you know, sort of locked up together and looking for points. Uh, from the Yorkshire, I mean, I was having a scan scan through. I mean, uh, I always look for Freistone Warriors because obviously I watched them against Blackbrook early in the season and they're up against uh, Queensbury in the, the, the Premier Division. Uh, so I'm looking, uh, you know, forward to that one. Uh, then we moved down into Division 1, Unslick Club Park Sides versus Kings Cross Park. Uh, again, another one on Slick Club Park, Park side. Even in the Yorkshire Men's League, is still, uh, you know, a, a good side. Uh, but um, other other than that, there's, there's a lot in there. I'm just picking on the names, you know. what I'm like because we go through the uh, uh, Kipax and Swillington Miners versus Ulton Raiders, which is uh, another one always catches me eye. And it's not specifically because of I know how they play. It's just because we love those names. Yourself, Parker. Uh, what do you What do you think? Uh, well, to be fair, I mean, I, I always kind of look out for things like Hewitt. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been gone particularly well at national conference league level so far this season. But um, you know, they're up against Cutsite Raiders in Division Three, uh, and I'm picking out Doddworth against Garforth uh, in Division Four. Uh, Division Six, Bentley against Drig. That should be an interesting tie as well. Uh, but you know, let's turn to Yorkshireman here to guide the way. Mm. Christian, who should we be looking out for in the Yorkshire Men's League this week? Yeah, unfortunately our game uh, got moved in the Yorkshire Men's League Division 6. Uh, I know Driglington uh, got a good win against Milford last week, so that should be a, a good game against um, 
against Bentley. Um, we know some of the guys, like I said, down at Dodder, they're a, they're a great club. And uh, we have some friends at Garford as well. We played in their league last year again, so that's another another good fixture there. Um, now, if we can come to yourself here now, because uh, let, let's talk, let's talk Jewsby more. Uh, how long's the club been going? But first of all, what about your involvement? You know, your your secretary of the club. How did you get involved? How long have you been there for? So I've been involved with the club since they joined the NCL um, back in 2014. Um, we we were a bit short on numbers back then, and we had some good under 18s coming through, and uh, we set out a five year plan. And that was to join the NCL, um, establish a, an open age men's team, a, a well-recognised team, and try to get up the divisions and get um, some credit that the club deserved, uh, which uh, we, we did, and it worked. And now we're uh, we're obviously nearly nine years into the NCL now in uh, Division 2, and it's going really well. Um, the club were formed back in 1968. A few lads in a little pub down the road from the club. It's not there anymore. It was called the Quarry Inn decided they wanted to enter a Sunday League team, uh, 11 aside Sunday League team for Rugby League uh, in Yorkshire. And uh, it took off from there. Um, and now uh, here we are uh, in 2022 with uh, 17 teams from uh, tops right up to open age men's, women's, girls, you name it, the lot, we've got it. It's great to hear that. And that, that development's all coming within, well, I know there's a little bit longer, you know, in that process, but nine years as an NCL club, you're still just a baby when you, 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 you know, look at NCL history, aren't you, really? Massively, yeah, massively. It was a big uh, it was a big decision for us to join the NCL, you know, with a big uh, challenge and commitment and everybody worked hard to, to make it work. We knew we had the, uh, we knew we had a good um, set of young lads there that wanted to play rugby and we had some older heads as well that, and a couple of people came back, obviously, with a lot of competition within our area as well. There's a lot of teams established within Jewsbury, Batley and the Abbey Woolen District. But we knew that we could, uh, you know, we put a meeting out there and we ended up um, get, getting plenty of numbers down. And uh, the first year in the NCL, we played it, our first game within the NCL was at Hewarth, actually. We were in our division again this year. Um, so, yeah, it's just stemmed from there, really. So, it was fantastic, it was fantastic to see. Uh, and it's fantastic the way that your club has gone from strength to strength. You mentioned there about the 17 teams throughout all the age. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Groups and all, all, everything that you offer as a club. Um, you know, who, who does that, the pat of the back, who does that go to? You know, because that just doesn't, again, spring up overnight, does it? No, it doesn't. No, and like I said, the club's only, you know, the club is only four walls, that the volunteers and the committee and, 
you know, the chairman and all the coaches and all the players, the parents, everybody involved in the club is just totally in it for the right reasons. And that's what makes it work. Everybody's so dedicated and committed to to making uh, Jules Memorial Rugby Club one of the uh, the great places to play rugby in the area. And people want to bring the children here and the families here. And I think that's what makes it work, really. The the, the other the people involved and, and the volunteers and, like I said, the coaches, the committee, every, everybody involved in the club has... Uh, has really got the heart into it, and and it's uh, it's formed from there. Now I know I asked you this originally when we spoke last week, <laughs> but I'm going to ask it again because nobody has heard that particular interview. So we're going straight from the hip again, aren't we? Here, uh, yeah. but uh, tell me, um, Jewsby Moor Maroons, is that just what your first team's known as? Yeah. So the the open age men's side, we uh, we decided to. Uh, to put a bit of a spin on it, and uh, we decided to call ourselves the Jules Rimar Maroons for the Open Age NCL side. Um, it just established us, because uh, we are a sports club, you see, so Jules Rimar Maroons play under Jules Rimar Sports Club, so that, that's the reason why we are, are the Maroons. And the reason we got the Maroons is because when we were first uh, starting out all those years ago, um, one of our lads was playing for uh, Huddersfield Rugby League, um, and we didn't have a kit at this point. Um, and he was like Jewel in between Huddersfield and Jules Rimor, just trying to get himself signed at that point. Uh, and they, they they lent us a kit. They lent us a kit, uh, and that's why we uh, our colours are maroon now, similar colours to the uh, the Giants as they're known now. I love that story, but you know how, how come how come there was nobody from Jewsbury like lending their kit or anything like that? Well, when, when, the club, when the club first got established, Jewsbury Celtic actually lent us a kit. Um, back for the 11 aside league, and then uh, it was at that point we obviously needed our own colour. We couldn't play in green and white forever, unfortunately. So, <laughs> so, so really, the two clubs are, are intrinsically linked, aren't they? Given yeah. that like, bit of history that you've just when, said. when we got our first premises, um, the premises were just an old factory. Um, unfortunately, in about 1972, those premises got sold, so we couldn't play. We couldn't play out of there anymore. So Jewsbury Celtic lent us their uh, showers and changing rooms for a short period of time. We then um, bought an old ice cream factory on Jewsbury Moor for £1,000. We got a mortgage on it for £1,000 and developed that um, probably in 1978. Um, and that's uh, that's where we're still based now. Obviously, it's not an ice cream factory now. It's a well-established uh, facility. Uh, but that's how we uh, ended up where we are now. Uh, apologies for this pun, but now you've got hundreds and thousands of people oh. that you've touched in Jewsbury. <laughs> 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 I'm just looking at Steve's face and Aidy's joined us as well. Do, do you know what? He never you, can't, t- you can't believe you said that. He never told that last one. He didn't tell you that one last week either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but again, I just love the fact that as a as as a club, you've reached out from the norm, haven't you? So you've de- you've developed an ice cream factory into a clubhouse. Basically, yeah, yeah. We got like I said, we got a thousand pound mortgage on it. All those years ago, um, developed it. Um, it was a well. You'll have been to the old clubhouse. Many of people listening will have been to our old clubhouse. Um, those that's played there will probably remember getting changed. A little matchbox. You were up here, down here, across there, and you were getting changed in a matchbox. Probably the size you couldn't even swing a cat in. So to get seventeen big blokes in there on a Saturday afternoon to to get changed in was was a big ask from us. But now all those are totally gone. Now we're, we're all we're all refreshed in our new development that we've done over lockdown which has cost us the best part of a million pounds to do. Um, I mean, the, the old dressing rooms, just to anybody who hasn't been there, they were like a labyrinth. I remember getting lost <laughs> in there at one point. <laughs> my first visit to Jewsbury Moor. 
yeah, yeah, everybody did, and everybody did, and everybody used to go, oh, dear, where are we going here now? What, what, sort, what sort of place have we come to here? <laughs> but that's just adds to the story and adds to the fun and adds to the development, and it's uh, things like that you can look back at of how we've developed the club from where it was um, to how it is now. It's, uh, it's a good story to tell. Um, so, so tell me about this de- development then. You know, obviously it's completely different. Um, you know, uh, I can tell that you're very, very proud of the work that's taken place. Uh, what actually did have to get put in place before you could do the work? So when, when again, when we joined the NCL, um, we knew that the facilities weren't obviously the greatest. Um, so we started saving up to um, develop our clubhouse. Uh, the commitment of some people uh, within the club, uh, they went out and got grants um, through Sport England, uh, recently the Rugby League World Cup grants, Kirklees Council, other sporting funds uh, that take years and years and years to get. Uh, and we just put it all in a pot. We did raise money ourselves uh, and we got to we got to just short of a million pounds in funding and savings. Um, and at the start of March um, 2020, it'll have been, we had enough money to start the redevelopment of the club. Um, and that's when COVID hit. Mm. And without without COVID, we um, we probably wouldn't have been able to, to do it in the way we did it because everywhere was shut. There were no games on. But obviously, construction work could still go ahead. So it just fast-tracked the entire development. And as we came out of COVID and as um, as the clubs and things reopened and you could start that training, the facility was fully fully ready. So mm. without, that, without that lockdown and isolation period where we had no rugby league on at all, it was a godsend for us, really, and it gave us that. Just everybody was volunteering because people were out of work on furlough, so mm. you know the builders were in. But lads would be like, "Any help need doing down at club?" And we'd all be, you know, labouring, carrying rubbish, you know, putting sparkies that weren't working there. We're helping with lights, plasters, we're in deck, and we just did it all ourselves. And like I say, bricklayers, they were helping, and because everybody wasn't working and we're on furlough, we were able to to volunteer ourselves to help help fast track it all on. So it was a real community effort as well. You know, every, all the, the trades people that were involved were all part involved with the club. Uh, the build, Like I say, everybody, the builders and things like that. So it gave us that that opportunity to, to, to do it at that point. It, it, it landed perfectly for us, really. It sounds like a, a massive team effort and something that everybody involved at the club and, and everybody connected in, in some way, shape or form could be really, really proud. Yeah, I mean, we've... we've I don't think there was many people that didn't have an involvement in a shape or capacity, really, which, which makes it even more special, really, because everybody's really proud of, of their efforts from just the small, small bits to, to whatever you've done, even if it was just a Saturday morning on your, on your time off or if you were there full time doing it, whatever effort, it, it were a team effort. And uh, when you look at the facility, what we've got now, it, it'll envy some league clubs because it's, it's just fantastic and it's built for the next, you know, 50, 60, 70 years for for all the junior teams, for people to come bring the families. And it's not just the rugby side of things. It's the social elements or, you know, the club's open, we'll have a turn on or a band on on a Sunday or a Saturday, you know. People come in and socialise there as well. So that that's the other nice part of it as well. So it's become that focal point again, hasn't it? It has, yeah. It's at the heart of, a, heart of the community really now. Um, is the club. It's a community sports club. Anybody can use it. Everybody, One member, one vote. It's a broad church. You know, everybody has a say. There's no one getting paid. There's no one under books. It, it really is a, a one member, one club vote. And uh, if you're not happy with something, you know, you can have your say and it'll get decided through through the committee. And, and it really is a big family down there now. 
I'm interested now you refer to it as a community sports club. So we're not just talking rugby league here then, are we? What other sports are, have you got that are, are linked now with the club? So we have um we have a we have a pool team on a Tuesday. Uh, we have a a group of girls within the community that use our field and club for, for rounders on one of our fields on a Wednesday, it's in a rounders league. Um we are we're currently organising a football team at the moment, um plus the rugby league teams as well. So everybody can come come and use the facility. You know, you're in the community. If if there's a club or something or a team that you want to run out of it, then then you know that's what it's there for. It's not just for rugby league now, it's for, for everything and we want everyone to get involved and everybody's welcome. That's fantastic. And, and as well, you know, we are going to be joined in a little while by Tara Jones, obviously St. Helens, an international uh, standard women's player. Um, yeah. You're going great guns with your, your girls team there. You've got a team that's just competed in the Challenge Cup, haven't you? Yeah, so the Open Age um, girls team got uh, allowed into the Challenge Cup. Witness Vikings couldn't... Uh, they wanted to concentrate on their season, um, we so we uh, saw the opportunity and we thought, why not? Uh, why not take take this opportunity and give give the girls some experience and uh, give give them a go at it? And uh, we we applied to go in and I think there was only three other amateur, three or four, Ulton, Lee, um, ourselves, and I, can't, I think there was another one. So it was great for us to to represent the amateur game on the big stage. With you know we were in the division with York City Knights, Wigan Warriors, and Bradford Bulls and. You know, to to be on the same stage as them and and competing in the uh, in the most famous competition in rugby league, it, it were it were fantastic for our club and and an honour to be able to do that. And I've got to say as well, you know, you get them against Bradford. I mean, that was really close, wasn't it? It was a close game. Yeah, it were it were edge, and there were, there were like around five hundred people came down to watch that game. The crowd were around five hundred people, so you know, there's a there's a real interest in it, and there's a real market in it. So. So why not let it thrive? You know, if you can, let let it go. And I'd say to any any team, if you if you're thinking of getting a woman, a ladies' team, and uh, you know, go, just go for it. If if you if you've got it, go for it. And uh, there's no we've we've had no going back. We've uh, six girls' teams now, so um, the open age right down to the under seven. So it's, it's it's brilliant. That's fantastic to hear, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, I was just going to say, obviously, without having so many teams and having different teams. How does that fit in logistically, uh, pitches wise, etc.? It can be a logistical nightmare, <laughs> but we make it work. We just make it work because we're all such, such uh, you know, we're all on it for the, we're all on the same wavelength. Um, we will, we will make it work between us. So um, we have four separate chain. We have three pitches. We have three full size pitches, which we're really lucky to, lucky to have that we are, that we own. So. Um, we can have the girls playing on on one side, the you know the the boys on the other, and you know the men in the on the middle field. But changing rooms wise, you know that we stagger it, and uh, you know everybody we follow a rote. So we had five home games um, the the other Saturday, five on the Saturday and four on the Sunday, and it was just like one in one out, one in one out. The food was going, the bar were busy, but it it, it were it was a bit of a logistical nightmare. But we made it work and. And we all came, we all came out smiling at the end because we knew that we'd had a really successful day at our club. Uh, a bit of stress, a bit of panic at times, uh, but it were it were a great day all round. So, 
And to be fair as well, you know, that, that stress makes it work, though, doesn't it, somewhere? <laughs> it does, yeah, it does. You, when you're, two under, you're an under-7s team, an under-8s team, and they're going in that changing room, and then you just think, oh, they're, they're all running around, I can't find my bag, I've lost my trainer. <laughs> so we've got, we had to get uh, we had to get Wollstone Rovers in, and we had an uh, under-16s girls team in uh, uh, on the other side, so we were passing them by, one in, one out. Oh, it, it was crazy, but it was good fun and all smiles at the end. I, I'm loving the fact that you've you've got everything organised off to a T now, haven't you? You know, for as you will have to to have you know 17 different teams at your club, all all competing at different levels, different times. Yeah, yeah. The kickoff times, uh, the fix 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 your secretary does a does a great job, and he's allocating changing rooms and 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 stuff like that. He does a great job, but it is all it is all fun and games. And when you say organised, I'd say organised chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I bet you're, you're doing yourself down there, to be honest. I'm sure <laughs> it would have been far better than that, to be fair. Um, now, it would be remiss of me not to look forward to kind of what we've got coming up in the NCL this week. Uh, and an interesting look down the fixture list. Division 2 sees the big one, as far as you're concerned. Jewsby Moor Maroons up against Jewsby Celtic. Tell us a little bit about the history behind this uh, this fixture. Yeah, well... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't really get any bigger than that one. <laughs> It's the one that everybody looks out for on the fixture list. When, when Celtic home and away, it's the one that everybody's buzzing up for. And I think it's more, there's a real right, there's a real, real rivalry between the two clubs for 80 minutes on that field. The tension leading up to the game, um, the, the build up, the atmosphere, the pre match, everything between the two clubs is is massive on, up to that 80 minutes. And when that final whistle goes, I think the thing that makes it more more proud for, for, for both clubs in, in Jewsbury is that everyone, as a as a real good drink together after the game, you know, there's no nothing off the field that that would uh, that that would come off it, and it, it's fantastic. It's a real good day. I mean, we're expecting a crowd of over a thousand people down if it's any anything like last one. So it, it's the game of the of the community this weekend. Uh, are you doing anything special for it? Well, we've got um, we've got some things on in our club after, so we'll have a, a DJ on in our club after, and then. Uh, Obviously, it's the boxing on. So we'll make it into a full full event with a few junior games, curtain raising before, you know, with all the all the things going on down at the field. And then it, then it's the building up to the big game. And like I said, the music on after the club. There's, we put the boxing on for, for the big fight. So everyone will stay and watch it together. It'll be a real, real family day. Now, we heard already before from Steve when he was describing what was going on at Burtonwood with them ignoring each other on Twitter. Um, you've not done anything like that this week, have you? It's not got no, to No, no, that, that's not what we're about in the everyone, and that's not what that's a bit, and that's not what rugby league's about for me. You know, that's uh, 
that's um, that's a bit wayward, is that unfortunately <laughs> for, for me? You know, that that's not what we'd want it to be. The rivalry is there. You know, there'll be hatred on the field. There'll be hatred before the game, but we we, we wouldn't get that petty in uh, um, in that in that way. Uh, what what do you make of your form this season so far? It's been a little bit up and down, hasn't it, in the division? Yeah, I think it's. I think the division has as a whole, to be honest. I think any, division two. If you look at division two, anybody is beating anybody. Um, and the, our form, personally, you know, we, we we could have improved in certain games, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but like I said, that if you look at, across the league of uh, of division two. It's a topsy-turvy league this year and anybody can beat anyone. And I think that's the um, level of commitment to that league as well because if you look at the teams in it and where the teams are located and where the where the teams are based, there's a lot of travelling for teams within um, within that division. You know, we've eight bus trips from Jewsbury Mall, so you think how far, how many Beverly's got on that from Hull all the way to Lancashire and Heworth. So it, you probably won't be playing. I'd, I'd put it, I wouldn't, you know, be surprised if uh, most teams in Division Two were the same as us, and they they haven't fielded the same team every week because there is a massive commitment with all that travelling in, mm. in that league. Um, so you know, lads are working. You know that the lads can't make the bus time setting off. So I think if you're not if you're a home team uh, in Division Two, I think you need to be taking advantage of all your home games because mm. there mm. will be certain games where you you can't send your full team to travel, and you know you've got your Yorkshire men's league lads filling in slots. Not to mention you're picking up injuries as well. Mm. So it, it, it's a tough league. And I think that um, that shows across the board in, in the results and uh, so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking and there's, there's basically there's two points separating the top team in the division at the moment, Crossfields yep. uh, and sixth place Barrow Island. And then you look beneath that, Hunslet, Jewsby Moor, Bradford, Dudley Hill, Wigan St. Jude's, you've all been competitive. There's nobody really that's been left behind, is there, you know, in this league? And when you kind no. of look at it as well, anybody can beat anybody on the day, can't they? And I know I've not mentioned Jewsby Celtic and Beverly, so they'll be having, uh, they'll be sending me hate mail, I think, for them <laughs> in that initial roundup. No, it's such an exciting league, and I think that's why people want to come to watch watch it. You know, it's it's so there's so much exi- excitement going on around the division too. Uh, everybody, like you say, everyone can beat everybody. It's a topsy turvy league, so it, it's great. And you, when you see some of the results come in, when you sign the clubhouse, and you're like, oh, Dale so and so's beaten so and so. I wasn't expecting that, you know. And it, it can it can go either way, so it, it's it's great to great to see it develop. It's great to be such competitive, and it keeps everybody on the toes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it would be remiss of me not to mention as well the efforts of your assistant coach because he's he's got on his bike literally this season, hasn't he? What's all that? What's all the thought process behind that? Yeah, so our assistant coach, Mark Fortis, um, asked me for a bit of a challenge before the season started. He said, uh, what can I do for charity? I says, well, I've got, why don't you uh, cycle to every NCL away game this year um, from the club to each, uh, to each game? And if we're away, you can come back on the bus. He went, Oh, I do like the sound of that because he does a lot of cycling anyway. So it, it was a good challenge for him. Um, but I didn't show him the fixture list before I uh, <laughs> before I gave him the challenge. And then he's looking and he's thinking, well, it's about 600 miles to do over all 11 games, all 11 clubs, especially that big one to, to Barrow. And that's in the height of summer on the 5th of August as well. So he, he was thrilled about that one. But no, it's a cha- he just he wanted to do a challenge for charity. He's doing a lot for charity, does a lot of cycling. So what, what better way to incorporate it with the rugby? And so far, we, we've been to two clubs. Um, 
clock face and, and St. Jude's and they've been so supportive. Their, their fans have welcomed him in on the bike, you know. They've had a whip round for the charity in their club. So it's bringing all the clubs together in a community sense. Um, and, you know, we'll go to the next club and the next club and they'll all be the same. And it, it's really refreshing to see, you know, other clubs that, you know, that we're not, we're not really affiliated with. They're just in the league and they don't have to do it. But that just shows the real... Um, you know, the real rugby league buzz and, and the real rugby league family, what, what it's all about. You know, they don't know the charity from Adam. It's a local charity to us. So, um, you know, they, they didn't have to do that. But both clubs so far, and I'm sure every other club will, in support Mark and his challenge. And, and thank you to everybody that is supporting, even teams from other, other you know, divisions that's retweeting and things like that. Here's your chance to tell us a little bit more about that charity. So you mentioned it's a it's a local charity. What, so it's a local, it? yeah, local charity Kirkwood Hospice. They support people on uh, end of life care, um, which is which is a great great charity to be involved with. Uh, we have done bits for them for the club before, um, but he just decided to pick a charity to do it. Um, we are also raising money for our head coach as well in, in the same process. Uh, he picked up an injury. A lot of people will probably know him on listening. Peter Robinson, who was our head coach, he picked up an injury in the middle of last season. Um, he was due an operation at the in, in April, uh, so he'd been going for some scans. Uh, and unfortunately, when they got one of his scans in, um, it turned out that it wasn't just what they thought it was. It was a very rare form of bone cancer that he had called Ewing sarcoma. So they fast-tracked him over to Leeds Hospital that day, signed him off work for a year on the spot, and is now in his fifth week of chemotherapy um, to remove this cancer, and he's only, you know, thirty-four years old. So, it's uh, we are uh, helping his family as well in the process, and just showing a bit of solidarity towards Peter, our head coach, who's given a lot for this club over the years. If there's anything that we can do as a show, you know, to promote any of your events and stuff that are raising funds, do let us know because we no, will give you the mention. You know, we love that. and everything. So yeah, you are doing a lot already. So thanks for everybody that's retweeting, everybody that's listening for, for the support. So far with Mark's challenge, it's very much appreciated from all at Juice Remark. Um, I've got another question here for you, Christian, you know, because obviously this is your second time around on the show, even though no one will have heard of the first. And I know I keep dropping myself in it for, you know, things not quite working out the way that they should have done last week. Technology. Is there, technology, exactly. But is there any question that you would like to have been asked about the club that we haven't touched upon yet? No, I don't think, don't think there is really. Um, I know last week we mentioned the, uh, the Burgess brothers were yeah. affiliated to the club. Uh, they all started the career, playing careers here. Um, and they actually sponsor our open age players now through their clothing brand for B label all the way over in Australia. So they are still affiliated with the club. Um, and going back to the uh, to the Derby Day versus Dewsbury Celtic this week, and if you uh, watch an interview with Sam Burgess, um, he got asked, "What's the biggest derby you've ever played in? Uh, Leeds, Bradford, uh, South versus Sydney, or Dewsbury Moor Celtic?" And he just said, "It's Dewsbury Moor Celtic mm-hmm. all the way." I said, "I don't play in a bigger derby than that," <laughs> and he said that in an interview. So <laughs> that shows the passion for, for this fixture this weekend. Hey, to be fair as well, to be fair as well, while you're championing the Burgess brothers, uh, Celtic could quite easily point at Alex Wormsley, couldn't they? Without a doubt, yeah. What a, what a um, great player he has been, uh, Alex Wormsley, an absolute massive, uh, massive star uh, from Dewsbury Celtic. And he is a full-on Dewsbury Celtic lad. He, he played there all his all his uh, career before he went to Batley and then went to St. Helens. And yeah, cr- real credit, credit to him. He's an international superstar. He's done fantastic. So 10 out of 10. 
and someone said to me as well that we don't talk about just what players have been produced by the heavy woolen district down the years, you know, because there's, there's 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 hundreds of them, isn't there, really? That have oh, there is. Greater, greater things within the game. Without a doubt, yeah. I mean, the heavy woolen, uh, the heavy woolen district as a whole, which is Batley, Jewsbury and a few of the surrounding areas, has, has 11 rugby league teams, five of them in the NCL uh, and the other six in uh, in the Yorkshire Men's League. So to, to have so many established clubs in within like a five-mile radius of each other, is 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 phenomenal for this area. It shows the uh, the level of love for the game um, at the at this uh, at this level. Definitely batting above the average, Thirsty. Oh yeah, and I, t- I tell you what, I don't know what Burton would have complained in there. <laughs> They're complaining because <laughs> they would have got two in one village. <laughs> but uh, yeah uh, it's, uh, what they're doing there certainly with the club and the area as well itself like uh, Christian's saying it's absolutely phenomenal isn't it and, but it, it, it doesn't get mentioned it doesn't get mentioned uh, and, and and it's wrong isn't it I mean we should celebrate this especially when it from a community club point of view you know, because that's where they come from and that's where it, it all starts and it's not just about as we say it's not just about the, the playing of the game it's it's getting that community together, you know, to, to help start things going, and they've done a brilliant job there. Because if you remember, we had Portico on quite a while back, and they were in mm. a similar sort of scenario with put it, bringing pulling a a, a a new club t- together, uh, but they had pro- problems with obviously sponsors. Now listen to where the way Christian said they've done it, where they got all the money together and banked it. So when they've been able to, fortunately. If COVID, I'd bring anything good, you know. There was that time where you could say, off we go. You weren't beholden to anybody because all that cash by that time was yours and you could do what you wanted. And then, obviously, all your help that came along to do it. I mean, you know, hats off to everybody who's done that. Absolutely superb. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Steve. They were only a camera crew off making BBC without, weren't they? Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of these uh, challenge programmes, you know, the, the way it, everybody came together, all the different tradesmen, all the different aspects of the community. And as we touched on before, that that sense of pride and belonging for every single person in that community, that that's, that legacy is going to last a hell of a long time. And as you rightly said, it's something to be very proud of that. Well, I mean, we speak to so many different clubs, don't we, right across the, the spectrum of, NCL, Yorkshire Men's League, uh, Northwest Men's League, Cumbria, uh, right around the country. Uh, and, and this is something, that sort of ethos and that sort of thought process, it's so common with each and every club. And this is what I, I, I love to hear about. This is the stories that we love to. So, so you know, the fact that we've, we've got Christian in tonight, who tells us that Jewsby Moore play out of a former ice cream factory. I just love that. But Yeah, but that just shows the resilience, doesn't it? You know, mm. they, they want to do, do do things. They've taken it on board. I mean, not not worried about what it's like. We've got a facility. We can get changed in here. We can do X, Y, and Z. But I've now, obviously, had the, the thoughts out of the box. I say, right, okay, now we've got, we're established here. Let, let's redevelop it and, and get what they've got now. Absolutely fantastic. Got to ask you, Christian, before you go, just regarding um, uh, you know NCL and and and, and the coverage because you're going to be your club is going to be hosting one of these matches in just a few weeks' time, isn't it? Yeah, we, we absolutely can't wait to do it. When uh, Alan Smith sent us the the email to say that we've been selected for uh, for the game versus Barrow Island on the twenty first of May, um, we, we were thrilled. As- With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a club. It sort of like put the icing on the cake, really, that all the hard work that we've been doing and everything that we've been, all the efforts we've been putting in can, can now be showcased to the, uh, to, to people, um, you know, live on the tellies and people will come down from, um, you know, from Barrow to see it as well. So it, it, it were, it were a real uh, feather in the cap with that. And we, we're looking forward to, uh, to hosting it as a club and we, we'll be making it a massive event down there, down at half playing fields. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I can't wait to see the result this coming weekend as well, because it, it sounds like we're in for an absolute treat between the uh, uh, the biggest local rivals in Dewsbury. Without a doubt, yeah. It's uh, it's going to be a close game. We hopefully won't let the occasion get to us too much. Um, but whatever happens, it will be a great game and it'll be an even uh, great time after the game as well between the both, both sets of lads. And uh, that's what it's all about, is rugby league. Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I really appreciate your patience. And thank you for having me. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure again. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll definitely have you back again in the future, although hopefully we've gone out tonight, so we don't need to re-record this one. For, <laughs> certainly, certainly not in the short term anyway. But I wish you all the best, and I'll catch up with you very soon, mate. You will do, dear. Thanks very much again. Cheers. All the best, mate. Ta-da. So, uh, absolutely fantastic hearing about Jewsby Moore and what they've got on and, and, and the development that they've got going on as a club. Yeah. So not just boys' teams, girls' teams, the women's team entered the Challenge Cup this year. They've got everything going for them, haven't they? Yeah, they're doing it right, aren't they? And time and time again, we hear a similar sort of template, don't we, from, from different clubs. And it's great that, that you know, you know they're following that. I mean, every now and again, you'll get the same... Same thing said, but just a slightly different twist on on things. No. So, and 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 this is where uh, community clubs are not afraid to share things that they've done. You know what I mean? It's it's sort of like, oh yeah, we did it this way. If you want to know about it, yeah, give us a call. We'll you know we'll help you, you sort things out. And that's obviously fantastic. Well, do you know what? I I can't wait to go. It's a few years since when did we last go there, Parking with Pilks? It was was it three four years ago mm. um, when we was in the same division. And I mean that's a phenomenal amount of money that they've raised there, and I can't I can't wait. Hopefully it's them coming up to our division rather than us going down to their division, obviously. But I I can't wait to have a trip there. I really can't. It's uh, something to look forward to, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Um, now we have been joined by our second live guest, and it gives me great delight to welcome Tara Jones to the show. How are you doing, Tara? Are you okay? Hi, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Are you? Yeah, really good. You must have been really thrilled hearing, uh, you know, what Christian's doing down there and, and how that club has developed uh, and the fact that, you know, they've gone so well um, in all facets, you know, from having like girls teams from a really young age group right the way through to the, the women that equipped themselves pretty well in the Challenge Cup. Yeah, definitely. It's great to uh, any any club um, within rugby league to develop and do well and be successful. And obviously, um I've been in and around clubs where they, they've tried it and tried to get it off the ground. It's not quite worked. So when you do hear the success stories, um, it, it's brilliant. And you know the game's going in the right direction because there's more and more clubs 
being able to develop for example the girls section and things like that but also his stories about how um, they're currently fundraising for their head coach and the other charities that they're fundraising for it's just brilliant because it just shows in a nutshell what what rugby league can do um so yeah it's really 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 nice to hear them kind of stories we're a powerful sport aren't we when we stick together and we get behind community efforts you know and that's something that I was always really conscious when we brought this this sort of podcasting to be in really you know to explore more of them stories because every club that you speak to they've got a different way that they've gone about it but ultimately they've they've come to the same aims haven't they and got the same things going on yeah definitely like they're talking about their Dewsbury derby there and like like I said after the game off the pitch it's everybody comes together everybody's got the same kind of goals and everybody will work together and they're going across the country to play different teams in different areas and everybody's still coming together um, to support each other within the sport so yeah it's massive. Now, I'm really glad that you've agreed to come on and have a chat with us old fogies today, uh, Tara, because, you know, for, for, for starters, you know, you've got your fingers on the pulses of so many different things that are going on in rugby league. You're, you, you know, you're a highly rated young referee that's coming through. You're, you're right at the top of the uh, your game in, with, with women and sort of going on and playing internationally, et cetera, et cetera. You, you're a key component in this Saints juggernaut that just seems to get better and better each year. Um, and you've been working, you know, tirelessly on the development side of things as well, haven't you? So you cover so many different bases. Uh, where should I even start in asking you a question on that? <laughs> um, yeah, so like pretty much everything that I do is rugby based. It relates back to rugby somehow. Um, it's like you say, I, I'm currently refereeing um, as a match official, and then I'm playing for St. Helens Women and England. Um, and then my day to day job is working within the Saints Community Development Foundation. So out in the community, coaching rugby, uh, but multi sports as well, and promoting different sports, just getting children within St. Helens active. Um, and hopefully building them relationships there within the foundation. So that's quite interesting as well. So if I can concentrate on that foundation and the day job, if you like, first of all, Um, you know, multi-sports, how many different sports do you actually put out there then to the the children? Yeah, so we kind of cover a wide range of everything. So we're currently within schools across St. Helens, and we kind of deliver what what they want based on the school curriculum. Um, So I know that at the minute we're in schools covering athletics we've done a bit of netball rounders um obviously rugby football basketball like if you name it really we've probably covered it in some way um because we kind of base it around the school curriculum Hmm. Uh, it's not just about rugby it's about opening up the opportunities to children across different sports i mean we've currently tried it well we're building a partnership with liverpool foundation so we went to an event yesterday and we had rugby, lacrosse, tennis, cricket, uh, multi-sports going on all in one big event. Um, so it's just about opening up them opportunities to, to the young people. And to be fair, the, the magical thing about certainly Women's Super League is that when I get to speak to any of you, you guys, um, you've all got a really different take on how you got into the sport and you've all got really interesting backgrounds you know so if if we you know take your teammate Leah Book for example you know she she's come from the athletic background hasn't she I've spoken to numerous you know girls as well that have I've come through so many different backgrounds and it's it's really interesting to sort of hear that yeah so we've got um like you mentioned uh, the talent transfer in Leah Burke so she was a 
GB gymnast um, and she's come across the rugby league and never played rugby before. Um, she's come across and now she's in the international setup. Um, similarly, we had Danielle Bush. Um, she come across from netball and again, she's slotted into our team really, really well. Um, if you look across other teams as well, you've got the likes of Courtney Hill at Leeds. Um, she's come from cricket. So it's them talent transfers across a different sport. Um, the skills are transferable. And you can never say never, like you are always able to adapt and go into different sports and try new things. And that's just proven through through them three. And there's many more across the sport as well. So I'm just thinking when you get to, to sort of work with these kids and you see them, you know, getting the opportunity to take on different sports. Are you also there from a point of saying, well, you know, there's this and that going on if you're interested in the rugby side of things. And can you, you know, sort of signpost people who are interested to, to to go to the local clubs yeah absolutely so obviously we're always promoting the rugby side of things um, we've got some community rugby festivals coming up so every school in St Helens has been invited to attend a community festival at their local club um, and then obviously the idea of that is the children come down they have a taster of rugby league they're within that environment where their community club would be and then if, at the end of it if they want to go and sign up we can signpost them there straight to the community club because we're already there and hopefully they'll meet some of the community coaches on the day and it's about building them relationships between us as a foundation the community clubs and then the schools the clusters that are around them community clubs so yeah definitely it's about signposting them children and also making people aware of the opportunities so although St Helens is a big rugby town people Mm. might not necessarily know where to go or how to get involved um, so it's about making sure that information gets to parents as well. I mean, that that's such an important aspect as well, isn't it? You know, so in, in making sure that the right information goes to the right people in the right sort of format too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's about giving them that information, but so they can hold it as well. Um, so they can go off and make their own decisions if they're going to take the child down to, to a team and which one and things like that. But it's also about like I've already mentioned, offering them experiences. So the event we've done in Liverpool um, yesterday, there's quite a lot of children there that are so football orientated. Mm-hmm. Some don't even actually know what rugby is. They don't know what lacrosse is. They don't know what tennis is. So because it's so football orientated, so it's our job to go out there and share them different opportunities to them children. Um, and then the parents will also get a different view of different interests because their child has. It sounds like you're working wonders, and particularly in the St Helens area, I think it's been it's been well thought of as well between the community clubs as well, hasn't it? Because um, you know you, you you look at perhaps each one of the community clubs, they're all now offering something for the girls to get involved in, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Like the girls across St Helens, it's growing massively across the schools, um, and then that's feeding quite nicely into the community clubs. So. Um, I know predominantly it's been Thattle Heath and they've got an absolutely amazing girl set up at Thattle Heath. It, it has been going for a good good few years now and they've um, got lots of good volunteers that know what they're doing, they're good at what they're doing. Um, but that is now sharing across different clubs across the town as well. So I know Pilkington Rex are just starting up a team um, and the coach there is doing a brilliant job. Uh, Haydock are setting up a team. Um, I know... Emily Rudge, who's the England captain and plays alongside me at Saints, she held a week 
within school where the, every single girl within school across year seven to year 11 had the opportunity to try rugby league. Um, and then on the back of that, they, she's now got um, year seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 girls after school clubs. Um, and then probably around 50% of them girls have now gone and joined teams within the club. If they've not quite yet joined a team, they've definitely been coming to our Saints development sessions because um, I've seen them over the last couple of weeks over half term. So that's really nice to see that the work that's been done within the schools, it's it's pushing the girls to go and try it outside of school as well. I, think I know Hay- Haydock are really, really pushing it. Mm. So we've got Meg Montegri there and uh, Amy Hand at Hope as well. So it's been really, really good push on it. I was going to say that before I really interrupted you there, Tara, <laughs> that, um, you know, I, I, I think as well that, this is really, really positive, and it, it, a lot of it, a lot of people will think, well, this comes back on like women's super league, and yes, it has got far more eyes on the sport, hasn't it? You know, and and for me, it's one of the real bright spots of it. I've had the, you know, uh, been very fortunate to to cover a lot of the games, and and, and you know, to to sample it for myself over the last sort of few years as it's developed and as it's grown and as the skill levels are, are ramping up, and it's great to see these these younger girls as well. Um, do you feel any sort of pressure then? Because, I mean, I suppose in a way, you know, you're, you're sort of at the forefront of it, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I suppose there's always that level of pressure, yeah. Um, so I'm going out in the community coaching these young girls um, and then within school or community clubs. And then they come in to our games to watch us and they're always like, TJ, TJ, like you've coached us. Blah, blah. So it it is a level of pressure, I suppose. They're looking up to me. So I've got to perform. I've got to do the right things um but I'd like to think I do do that um but also it's really nice and rewarding to see the young girls coming through so I know I've seen girls where they're like very unsure on on whether they're going to take it up or not and then they've come to some of our games and they've watched us and the girls play and then they just absolutely love it and they take it take it up um so that's really really rewarding and like you say it definitely comes from the coverage of the game as well um getting the more games on tv and across live streams it, it's massive and the girls have got more and more opportunities to watch it um then hopefully leading to the back end of this year we're just going in the right direction aren't we towards the world cup and then hopefully it'll just go massive after that as well definitely but i think it also comes down to the point that you're accessible mm. you know you can be you're approachable um these days we're almost breeding a, a you know in in, in Super League, we're almost breeding where you can't talk and you can't go up to people like you used to before. You know, it's getting a bit too much like football, in my opinion. You know, so this is why, again, it's great to do a community show. It's great to have you as such a, a high level person in in the women's game coming on to our little show. To be fair, and having a chat to us, you're accessible, and, and that that's the beauty of it. Yeah, no, I think the women's game is good because it's fresh. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's quite new. It's developing, and when people uh, watch it for the first time it, it's something fresh and new for them so um and and us girls you know we we don't take anything for granted we're we know like we're happy with the position we're in and we personally want to grow the game we want it to be bigger and bigger so we're wanting to set the platform for young girls coming through and hopefully in the future it's even bigger and better for them um so so we want to inspire these young girls coming through and like I say any kind of coverage is brilliant so you're saying this is a little show but actually 
you probably don't realise the impact of, of this show, um, promoting the women's sport and the game. It, it's massive. Any kind of coverage it can get is really, really good. And if one more person gets into the game, then we've done a bit of a job, haven't we? We have, we have. I mean, that's what it's all about. We want more people watching, sponsoring, supporting, going, picking up a ball and deciding that they're going to, you know, get involved. And, and we want teams to, to improve. And I think as well, you know, if I, if I look at uh, the wider perspective of sort of like uh, girls rugby in particular, um, there's lots and lots of different sides that are now taking on that responsibility and they're, they're developing. I mean, we had, uh, it was it was Bassett Law a few weeks ago, or well, a couple of months ago now, wasn't it, Steve? It was, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we, had, we we spoke to, you know, one of the young players who uh, described herself as feisty. And I just love that description and the fact, you know, and, but again, that comes to the, the fact that she's, she's looked and, and she's developing her game based on what she's seeing out there now. And you're becoming like a role model, aren't you? There's so many different role models in women's Super League. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just um, opening it up to girls as well that, the stereotype of female rugby players um like it's okay to to be an athlete as well so if, if your body's changing because you're becoming an athlete that's okay um and us being on the stage in front of them young girls it's also showing them that the stereotype isn't actually what it seems to be so and it's opening up more people the public eye as well to the game that it is good it is skillful it is fiery it is feisty um, the contact level is still there. Um, the skill level of the game is really, really high. And I think that's why more and more people are taking it up and taking it seriously because they've had the opportunity to see it firsthand. Uh, I mean, Steve, it's great that we, we, we get to speak to Tara and we hear about this development work as well, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, we, we if you remember a, a couple of years back when we first started uh, covering the, the women's game, uh, just Tara and some of her uh, colleagues came into the studio when we were at, uh, on the radio, uh, and we were talking about it then. And we were we we were amazed at how skillful it was. I mean, and, and that wasn't being uh, derogatory in any way. It, it was sort of it was a pure form of the game. You didn't see any of the rubbish. You saw a good game of rugby. You saw some really good athletes. And in the in those two years, two and a half years. I mean, and considering there's been COVID in between as well, the game level, the skill level has just gone absolutely rocketed. Uh, how have you seen the change, Tara, from from them? You know, a couple of seasons back when you first started, uh, the, obviously from a, the Saints' point of view, up till now. Yeah, definitely. There's been a massive change within the game. The skill level's gone up. Um, the level of contact's gone up within the mm. game as well, um, and that that's down to um the players commitment so the players commitment as as highly improved but also the pathway has improved for girls as well so there's now more of a pathway in terms of coach development um getting the skill set within the girls giving that knowledge to the girls as well on how to improve yourself both in the gym off the field and on the field um so that there's a clear pathway now for girls um and a lot more people are investing within the sport as well so it's opened up the opportunities for, for ourselves to develop, but to develop it from, from grassroots up as well. Um, so, yeah, there's been a massive change within, within it just over the last few years. And like you say, the, our sport's pure. It's, it's new. Um, and, yeah, any way we can develop it, it, it's massive. So it's really, really improved. 
So if uh, Tara Jones is refereeing St. Helens ladies, uh, who, who are the ones you would look out for her? Who were the ones you would keep an eye on? <laughs> Besides Shani Crowell, who... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just make it clear. I'm, I uh, have to stay away from refereeing or officiating St. Helens. Um, it's obviously my links uh, at this moment in time. Um, but within our team, yeah, Shani's probably the standout one. <laughs> probably picked it for me. you got you got to be careful with Shani. Um, there's a few fiery characters within the squad. Um, maybe Paige, Travis a little bit. Um, but I think... We're quite a well-disciplined team. We're quite a well-disciplined side. Um, so, yeah, probably Shani's the main one. Yeah, so there would only be one yellow card then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yours, Parker? Uh, it's, it's interesting as well, the, touching upon the refereeing, because obviously um, we, we had Rob Hicks on this show, mm. actually, just before Christmas, so telling us about how he was hoping that, uh, you know, moving into the new season, there were going to be, you know, clamping down on touchline behaviours, et cetera, et cetera. H- how have you found that as a as a match official, Tara? Yeah, so over the years, obviously, I've had my experiences of touchline behaviour and um, some good experiences and some not so great experiences. Um, I think over the years, it has improved. Um, I, th- I mean, down to my playing commitments, I've not refereed a junior game of rugby for a while now, so I can't really comment on that. Um, but I know from from other referees coming through, then I think the level of the respect within the game across the board it is good. Um, again, this year I've kind of been refereeing as and when I can, so I've not been out a great deal. But um, yeah, touchline behaviour is generally a good, but the sport is always finding ways to challenge that and um, make sure that that is kept in order. I know certainly the NCL have uh, purchased these sort of six head cams, haven't they? Have you have you had the pleasure of operating one of those yet? Yeah, so I had it a few weeks ago. Uh, I was refereeing at Egremont v Rochdale, and I had the pleasure of wearing the head cam. Uh, yeah. And uh, any any particular thoughts on it? You know, did did, did they actually show you how to use it? Because I remember speaking to the uh, the first referee that I, who, who had it, and I think they just showed him the box. So he was like trying to get it working and etc. Before the start of the game. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a clue how to work it. I mean, uh, thank God I took one of my fellow match officials with me in the car because um, he was refereeing at Waff Brow around the corner from Egremont. So we travelled together and it was. Hit. I said to him, this is your job on the way to figure out how they work. Because <laughs> if I can't get it working when I'm at the game, that will stress me out. So Jamie did a good job and he, he showed me how to work it in the end. Um, I mean, it was a little bit weird at first, obviously mm-hmm. wearing something around your head while you're trying to run about. You kind of forgot about it, that it was there. Um, I thought I'd be more conscious about what I was doing and things like that um, and how I was refereeing the game. But you just kind of forgot about it and you just refereed it as you would I mean I watched some of the footage back and it's quite funny to watch how I referee and how I am with players and how players are with me um, so that was quite interesting but in terms of wearing the head cam you kind of forgot about it I mean it did die three quarters of the way through the game so the, there's always going to be teething problems yeah. with with these kind of new technologies coming in so they're looking at ways of of fixing them kind of issues um, I think lowering some of the quality of the footage and things so that there's not so much demand on the on the power, um, but overall, yeah, I think it was quite good. 
I think what you've said there as well in the fact that you've had a chance to review that and you've seen how you know you communicate how people communicate with yourself did you have like a preconceived idea you know that you, you communicated in a certain way and was there anything that sort of surprised you I suppose um yeah so I, I like to think I can make quite a good relationship with players on the field and I, um, when I was watching it back it was quite funny some of the things that I say to players having a little bit of banter on the field and their responses back to me like um yeah it's quite some funny moments but then also there's times in the game where you have got to be strict and you're like you kind of watch yourself back and you're like oh like a strict head teacher but um (laughs) you've just got to get that balance with players on the field but some of the some of the comments are quite funny so I, I am all for this, by the way, you know, on the fact that it's, it's improving, because the idea is it improves quality of refereeing, you, you get to look at your communication skills, and, and also as well, it's, there is a development tool, isn't it, as well as being, uh, you know, one of these things which is like, uh, you know, brought in for discipline reasons as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it's got a few incentives behind it. Um, obviously, it's going to hopefully reduce and... Um, pick up on any kind of touchline behavior and things like that so hopefully it'll reduce them kind of things also if there are instances going on obviously the camera will pick it up mm-hmm. so it can then be followed through by the disciplinary panel and things like that um the same on field if there's an incident on the field and and you, especially if it's leading to red cards and things like that you've then got direct footage to back up your report that you're putting in so previously, you were just putting in a report to the disciplinary panel. The game might not have been videoed. The disciplinary panel had literally going off a written report, mm. whereas now you can submit a, a video of what you can see. So I think that's really, really beneficial. Um, and then also, like you say, it's a referee development tool as well, which is massive. Um, and it's probably going to be used more frequently for that. Um, I'd like to hope it's not used more frequently for disciplinary things. Um, but referees are always looking for ways to improve themselves they don't want to go out and make errors I mean we're human, errors are going to be made um, but you don't want to go out and make an error so if you can find a way to improve yourself then you're going to take that opportunity on board so wearing the head cam, watching your own footage back um, but also watching other referees footage as well so you can pick up things like you say how other people communicate with players Mm. um, your own positioning what are you looking at at what points of the game? Your communication with the players, your dialogue when you're calling tackle ID, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's a massive tool for the for the match officials to be using. Steve? Yeah, what, one of the things I wanted to say, and it's something that we we mentioned in the past when we heard about the, uh, uh, obviously, the, the headsets coming into play, was uh, fr- from a spectator point of view, okay, we we don't get to see it as such at, at the moment. Obviously, on, on YouTube, some of the guys are uh, are using it. And to see decisions being made from a referee's perspective, because obviously when you're watching the game, you're either on the side or you're at the end. I mean, you can under- understand how some of the things are either missed or why they're given, because it's been... It's been given from a different angle. So, I, I mean, I, I would hope at some point that that sort of footage may be, you know, sort of brought out to spectators and so, so we can see those things as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that is mm. is something that they're looking at doing, so I can't really say that that will happen. But, yeah, I think you've got a very good point there that 
that I think that would be beneficial because like you say people would see it from a different point of view mm-hmm. um I mean there's more to it than just what you see as well there's obviously policies that we follow you've got the you've got the laws but then you've got policies that we follow we've got processes that we follow um like on field and off field policies so it's everything coming together but if they yeah. can see that directly from the referee's point of view and what they're seeing then yeah they'll have a different aspect on it I mean when you have spectators calling a forward pass from behind the sticks I mean how are they calling that um it's probably more of a touch judge call depending but again if it's the last pass it's probably more the referee's call etc etc so it's all about understanding how we work as a team of match officials but actually what we're looking at as well um so yeah they definitely would be beneficial for spectators and coaches to see it from their angles so coaches can learn a lot as well for their teams to see how referees referee the game what referees are looking for um so then they can coach their players in the correct way as well I will say as well, it'll do wonders for the tries of the week video. We'll get hold of some of that footage. But, you know, from, from a media point of view, I mean, I bet some of that's golden that, you know, because obviously you're in a completely different position to any what any other camera has been pointing at that field before, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was one call on, one of my, on my game when I wore it. And if I had a video referee, I would have been going to the video referee. And I've watched it back and because of the angle, you're in the end goal, you're there, you're on top of it. So it would be really good for that kind of footage for, for try of the week and things like that. Uh, I wonder whether I can swing it uh, for anybody to send me any of that footage. But I'll, maybe I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to use my charms and everything there, won't I? Um, <laughs> Tara, before, before we sort of move on at all, was there anything from this interview that you was hoping that we would ask that we haven't asked already? Um. I'm not sure, really. Just um, obviously leading to the back end of the year, we've talked a lot about the women's game and the girls' game growing. Um, we've got the World Cup coming up at the end of the year. Um, it's now less than 200 days to the Women's World Cup. So um, that's going to be massive leading into that. And hopefully the World Cup will inspire more and more girls to get involved. Some exciting crowds building for that as well. I saw something about there being, you know, uh, about four, four and a half thousand tickets sold for one of the games already. Yeah, definitely. I think they're hoping for some uh, record crowd breakers um, and things like that. I mean, I haven't seen the figures myself, but um, our opening game for the women is England v Brazil on the 1st of November, and that's at Leeds Headingley. So hopefully with the World Cup being on home soil, we can get more and more fans um, behind England, supporting us as a team and, and pushing us through through the World Cup. So that would be massive for us on home home soil as well. I mean, it is massive, isn't it? You know, Ed, I'll come to yourself here now. I think I've witnessed firsthand recently with the accessibility of these players um, going back to the grand final last year to the Challenge Cup game at Vicky Park and then again against Huddersfield last week. The When these games finish and these youngsters, these girls that... And it's not just the girls, it's the lads as well, I mean... Me and Steph got a time and all Steph and Aidan really well. And they absolutely love it. But that interaction with the players after the game, with with the supporters, I mean, the, the, the Saints team, they leave the pitch for a few minutes for whatever reasons, um, maybe team secrets, I don't know that. But when they come out, these kids idolise these players, Dave. You've seen it. Like, I've never seen it as much as they have in, 
this season for sure. And even now, going to the weekend, coming for these semi-finals. I mean, we're going for the whole day there. But these kids, are, and when when Tyler says there about the accessibility and bringing it out to different age groups, and they are all age ranges. I mean, I stood there at Vicky Park and I was watching everybody from pensioners mm-hmm. to six-year-olds having the pictures took with these players, and that that has gone from Super League. That is, but this is where the women's game is stepping in. And it's, it's amazed me. I'm seeing it at a bit of a closer, up close, more so than I ever have done. I think that's the most important aspect of it regarding the development because it makes it real for these kids. And there's youngsters there who absolutely idolise these girls. And I, I think that it's something we don't see enough of, Davey, spot on. And I think it's credit to the girls of all the teams. I mean, after the grand final last year, you've got, I mean, it was Amy Hardcastle came over to the, she was talking to a little girl at the side of us. And this little girl had her fingernails done all special. And Amy Hardcastle made a point in that moment of telling this girl how gorgeous, and this girl was just like, she was awestruck by it. You know, it was, but that personal touch and that humility about it is tremendous and, it's not, it's not wrong to say they're inspiring a generation of girls to take up this sport, and it's a top credit to all of them. And for me, that, that's one of the things I love most about it. The skill level's off the charts. We all love our rugby, but that side of it, for me, is fundamental, and it's like a foundation that they're building it on. And I don't think we can go wrong if that continues. Oh, it's so important. It is so important. And and that's what I, I've loved about covering the games as well, is that everybody's so accessible. They'll answer any of my daft questions, be it pre or post-match. So, you know, I'm always grateful of that as well. <laughs> uh, Tara, thank you ever so much for joining us this evening. I think it's been great to hear about all your involvements in Rugby League. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, and hopefully we've not, uh, you know, put you off too much for maybe coming back and having a chat with us in future. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you for having me on. And any time, I'm more than happy to come on and, and have a chat. So, yeah, thank you very much. And I've loved it. Yeah, fingers crossed you'll come back when you're a World Cup winner. Yep, definitely will do. <laughs> now, that will that will be an interview with Forty Night, won't it? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Right, so we've uh, we've we've heard from our live guests, um, but we do have three guests that we pre-recorded as well. So uh, I wanted to start really, uh, and it kind of links in because last week I was uh, fortunate enough to to get the opportunity to go over to Saddleworth. This time it wasn't snowing. President's Cup was uh, the order of the day, uh, and it was the armed forces taking on Great Britain teachers. Great game this, by the way, uh, and it ended up with the armed forces coming out on top by 34 points to 10. Um, they had a real powerful second half. It was 10 all at the break and a, you know, a real topsy-turvy sort of game. Uh, lots of great skill, uh, really close for a long while. And then in the second half, uh, the uh, Armed Forces side just got away. In the aftermath, I spoke with their coach, uh, Phil Rogers, and this is what he had to say. Well, with Danny Rogers, we're at the end of the first President's Cup game and uh, you've got a big smile on your face. 34-10, Victors. Tell us about the game. Um, the girls worked really hard, to be honest. The, the majority of the work that we focused on was defensive work because we knew that was going to win the game. Um, 
but actually only having them for two days training and to get that out of them was absolute quality. So I'm proud of what they've achieved. You know, like you say, first President's Cup game in God knows how long, and, and to turn it out and get that win, you know, I'm immensely proud of the girls who've been drafted, so yeah. There were some real good combinations as well, wasn't there? I mean, particularly that second half, Sky Jackson made like a heap of metres. Oh, she did. She, she's a strong ball carrier, and there were other strong ball carriers in that team. Um, you know, Alex Barnes was another one, and they gave us that go forward, get us on that front front. Um, and we just needed the other girls to sort of get around them, and it's things that we'll work on in training to put right. You know, when they're breaking the line, it's just all support runners to come through with them uh, and, and just give them that lift. I'll just work off the back of it as well. So yeah. As you say, getting that performance out of the girls with only having that short amount of time together, that says about the the, the, the sort of like tenacity and skills that are available at Forces Rugby, doesn't it? It, it does, and the biggest thing it's it, it is the skill. It's what they do with their own single service teams, you know, and that's what stands them out um, when it comes to the selection time. But equally, because they are military, we have a, a different mentality. We've all been trained a specific way, uh, and we all understand when it comes to training and the skills, we, you know, we, it's repetitive, but if it's repetitive, that skill then becomes a talent and we can work with that. Uh, I thought you, stand, you started particularly strongly. You got 10-0 in front, and then, to be fair, teachers hit back and played some great rugby at the back end of the first half. What was your thoughts at that time? Uh, I was trying to get the message on, uh, was to slow them down, because... Uh, we've spoke about controlling the rook, uh, both in attack and defence, and I think when they got the, the, the scores that they've got, it's because we weren't controlling the rook speed. And when we went in the, in the sheds at half-time, we spoke about that, you know, if we can control the rook, we control the rook speed, we can control the game. Um, and ultimately, it worked in that second half because I didn't get anything in, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. And I suppose the other point was, um, it, it was it was also playing to your strengths while they were a player short because they had to play a Simbin, didn't they? And you scored three tries in that period. Yeah, we, we did. And, and the, the girls noticed that, and we spoke about that. We were getting the message pushed on, you know, let's try and work off the back of that and let's, whilst they're, they're missing a player, you know, let's capitalise on that and put it to our advantage. And they did really well, so, yeah, I was happy. And, and I thought the thinking during that period of players like Jenny Greening, what uh, was key really, wasn't it? She, she is quality, um, and she's the one who does all the work. And you know, I'm going to dig it out here. She moans a lot because she has to do all the work. Um, but she, she is a skill. She is a talent. She, you can see that, you know, playing in those halves. We're trying to get other players to to to, to reach that level. And I think it'll come in time. It's a little bit uh, a little bit alien to some of the girls because they're not used to just used to just cats pass jam it in, you know. And it's things that we need to work on as a group. But definitely, Jenna. She, she was a catalyst, she controlled it for us, everything was coming off of her. And we did, we spoke about it half time and we, we got the message on. And you know, we started to come away from using Jenna and try to be a bit more smart about what we were doing. And to be fair as well, I mean, you got your first year of injuries as well. You know, I, I noticed your six limped off after about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And you had to reshuffle. Now that could have gone against you, couldn't it? It could have. We were lucky because, you know, we put. Um, Lou Pritchard, who was an out-and-out hooker, so we put her in there. Emily Carlisle's an out-and-out hooker. Never played in that half-back role, but for me, you know, if you can play at number nine, it's just coming out one more, and you've been able to see it a little bit better. It, it works. You know, it's things that we've worked on in training, so it just shows that, you know, when things aren't working or things don't go the way you want it to go, we, we have got that ability to shuffle and we still get that same result. So. I know this might be a little bit of a silly question because we're just in the aftermath, but um, let's look forward to the next game. Do you know what your squad is going to look like? Are you going to have these players available to you? Or does it all depend on sort of where they're up to with their own careers, etc.? The hope for me is that we, we keep that consistency. So there's a, a core nucleus of girls who were at the Barra game. A core nucleus, that same core nucleus was here. We, we'd lost a couple of players, but we got some new faces that we'd not seen. Um, 
as long as these same players keep turning up, this, this core group here and a core group down at Barra, and the extra players who can actually provide that complement to the team, um, yeah, we, we, we'll have a good dig and we'll certainly give it a good go. I suppose that, that that's the pleasing thing as well. It's those players that have come into this squad, isn't it? That have, have stood up to be counted tonight. It is, and that's and that's all I ask of them. You know, we we, we set a standard at, at, at Barra. And we said, you know, in the first half it wasn't a great standard by, by any degree. Um, so when we came off in that second half, that was where the standard was. We just said it there, you know, the feeling that you're feeling now. We had that standard, we've raised it, so, so that's where we're at. And, and that's on the girls' effort and, and what they're doing. And, and every player that comes in, I just I keep working them and I, I keep making sure I get the best out of them. And that's all I want, really. Uh, my final point is that obviously we spoke uh, before the start of this competition and you pinpointed the fact that there was a lot of uh, women's Super League players that are in the, the, the lineup of the teachers. Yeah. You quelled them, really, tonight. Um, I did, I know, as much as I alluded to it, um, it, it was more... It, it, for me, it makes no difference. It's it's person against person. It's body and body. It's will against it's will and skill against will and skill. Um, that's not you know to, to dismiss the teachers because they put in a good strong performance. They've showed that they can move the ball around. They can actually play rugby. Uh, so they should be proud of their own efforts. But I mean, for us, we're just focusing on us uh, and not really looking out too far. And like like you've said, oh, I'm already aware there are women Super League players in these other teams, um, but. I just tell the players, you know, be confident in what you're doing. Let's not worry about them or where they're playing or what they're doing. It's about us. It's about us as a group and being being tight as a unit and doing what we need to do. But um, credit to the teachers, they, they had a good dig, especially in that set, in that first half towards the end. I thought we, we were going to roll over, but luckily the half-time whistle came and we went in the sheds and, and we, we uh, had a bit of a chat and we, and we worked it out in the second half. So yeah, I'm happy. Danny Rogers there talking after uh, the defeat of the uh, of the Great Britain teachers. Really good advert that. Really enjoyable game, and it was certainly about ten degrees warmer than my last visit to Stadler, <laughs> where it actually snowed for the men's the first round of the men's uh, Presidents Cup. Uh, but you know, I think the standard that we've seen in the Presidents Cup, both men's and women's, points to that we've got a good competition that lies ahead of us. So you know, next week it's round two of the men's played over at Lock Lane. Then on the 11th of June, uh, we also have the, uh, the, or the 11th of May, sorry, the 11th of May is when the, the women play their second game as well over there at Lock Lane. And then it all comes back to the Miners Rangers for the uh, the culmination of it and uh, where the trophies will get dished out. So yeah, uh, really good to be part and, and covering that competition to be fair, because I think it's, it's a really worthwhile process. And especially seeing as, you know, this is the first one from a, a women's level that they've had in three years. So, you know, it's good to, get these players back out uh, playing a bit of rugby yeah and, and get, get things back to normal as it were isn't mm. it that, that's what you need and and like we were talking about before uh, you know the the more of these sort of games that go on uh, from, from a women's perspective as well it, it shows you know we're talking about pathways and things and, and opportunities you know to mm. play, play it's not it's not just a pathway okay I'm, I'm going to go up to Super League if you can't reach that there are still other avenues to play a good, competitive, high standard rugby league, uh, and, and there are different, you know, pathways to get into that as well. There is, and it's representative rugby league. Come, uh, come, come, what may intake? To be fair, Ad, I'm going to bring you in here. But D, when we talk about these pathways, for me, it was reassuring what we've just heard with Tara the the level of commitment that is going into doing these pathways, creating these pathways. 
I'm trying to ensure that the talent's still coming through and that it's 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 mirroring a lot quicker than I expected it to be. We talked briefly about the development in the last two years of the women's game, but the side of it that for myself certainly, maybe not so much for you, Dave, but that side of things I would never get to see or know for a multitude of reasons that these sort of developments are going on. But I think it's in good hands, isn't it, that it's the full gamut from the tots, as they call them, to the open age, from the pro game to the amateur game. The whole lot seems to be getting some good attention. And when you've got the relevant people involved, and we've just had one of the best on there, it, it, it's, uh, it inspires confidence, are the words uh, I'm looking for. It really does. Yeah, but also the President's Cup gives an opportunity for other people coming through mm. different methods as well. You know, so it, whilst yeah. it's great talking about, you know, developing uh, at club level, mm. a lot of these girls, they won't have played a lot of rugby league. They might have played a little bit here and there elsewhere, but, you know, or play different sports. Uh, but the fact that they're able to, to also... Um, seek out their own sport in excellence, if you like, in rugby league in the forces. Yeah, is there to, to for everybody yeah. to see, isn't well, it? The, ac- the accessibility is is superb. I think uh, wasn't Carrie Roberts was in the forces, wasn't she, Dave? Uh, she was. Yeah, that's uh, Saint Helens swept uh, to, to to like get her on a on a mm. deal there at Saints after um, she she impressed for the army a few years ago. She has played UK Armed Forces rugby league as well. Yeah, so it's like you say, every avenue it seems this net seems to be casting wide, doesn't it? And it's a it's a wonderful thing to see. It's it's one of the better things. The women's game and the amateur game are so under trumpeted, if that's an expression. You know, there's such fine things as a sport we have, and yet they are the two things that are the well, the, well, maybe now they're starting to get the attention they deserve, Dave, to be honest. But I don't think they have really, have they, in the past? To bring two of your metaphors in here, uh, well, a competition that has been under-trumpeted is the, uh, is the Oldham Standard Cup final. This is something that has, uh, you know, a real traditional game in the past, in the 90s, in the 80s, played in front of three and four thousand crowds strong over at the old watershed ins unfortunately that doesn't exist anymore it's now all houses but uh, it lives on i was there at the oldham standard cup final waterhead warriors taking on saddleworth rangers it finished the end of what was a, 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 a i think i couldn't describe as a bloody good week in the history of waterhead warriors um afterwards i caught up with keith brennan this was in the aftermath of the 16-6 defeat of saddleworth rangers uh to to get his take on 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 the the oldham standard cup final uh but more importantly a 42-0 drubbing of shalston rovers in the barla cup so I'm joined by Keith Brennan. We're in the aftermath of the Standard Cup final. I've got to say, it took a while for this one to get going, but what a second half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think Saddleworth definitely turned up to play today um, and full credit to them. You know, they, they really dug in. I think the start at second half for us, we um, managed to get a little bit of field position from goal forward and then just capitalised on it a little bit. Uh, but we were just made to work all the way through for 80 minutes today because they never gave in one, so full credit to them, really. It needed that full effort, didn't yeah, it, for it the did, full yeah. yeah, it, it did. It was that sort of game. Yeah, it was tough. It was real tough up that middle as well. Um, and, you know, you've got to take your chances. Fortunately for us, we did. But 
I thought our defence, our goal line defence, I thought our goal line defence were uh, outstanding at times. And as well, you lost Danny Bridge sort of midway through the game, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, he goes well for us, Danny. Does really good for us. He's you know he, he's a top player, but he's, he's a good bloke to have on pitch as well. A right calming influence for all. So when he came off, lads have had to step up really, and they did. So yeah. I've got to ask you about this week as a whole because we're at the end of it and you know you pick up the Barley National Cup on the Sunday records fall in that game you know 42 nil against Charleston talk us through what happened on that day well it was just it was just a case we turned up um, there are a lot of hype about it you know as a club we took an unbelievable amount of support which you know I, I've never witnessed anything like it an amateur game before so I think that helped the lads um but they were focused, you know. They'd had a good, a good week prior to that. They were really focused for it, and um, yeah, they, they they just performed really well. I don't know that you put a big emphasis on that cup competition. What was that like trying to juggle that and the and, and the rigors of the NCL? Well, as as you can see from results, we've had to we've had to you know we've focused on on that. Um, we've had our second team, which is probably a massive success for us as a club to have a second team who've competed well at NCL against the teams, you know, in our division. So that's been really pleasing. I know, I know we haven't got the results we wanted, but we've had the lads who've been committed to the cause. So to be fair as well, you've blooded more of those kids. Yeah, so, yeah. It, in a way, it's strengthened your squad, well, hasn't I, it? I think. I think to be fair, since me and John have been here since these last six years or so. Um, we've we've had the kids coming through, you know, like James Jensen, uh, Kieran Dean, Keegan. So we've had all them coming through to play for us from 16 year old. But because they had to, because we had to rely on them. So we've had the last five years or so lean times, and we, you know we've been looking at the door on a Saturday, seeing who does turn up to come and play for us. Um, and now you know we're in a lot healthier spot. So it's not just now it's happened it's been a progression of years of having 18s coming through and then the club culture you know pushing through and what have you so it, it just shows what can be achieved yeah. though, with that with that thought process yeah. behind it all doesn't it I, th I, th I think as well the pleasing thing the right people are in charge of the youth teams as well you know and and that's no disrespect to all these people that that coach younger teams but a lot of the lads who are coaching now they're all what red lads We've got either the sons there or they're just invested in it and they're teaching them kids that Waterhead's a place that they want to be and, and to stay at, you know. And I, I said it last year at our um, presentation night, you look for role models in your club and over the last five years we've had we've had some right hidings, you know, and we've had the likes of uh, Butchie, uh, Matty Holland, Jake O'Grady, Sarsi, them sort of people who have been there week in, week out, could have gone to another club easily, but chose not to. So, for me, them kids who are coming through, looking at a team getting beat all the time, but knowing that them lads are not going anywhere else, that's that's huge for us. It's been it's been great, you know. In a way, has it been a different sort of experience now? There's been people like myself coming asking questions. Yeah. Where perhaps they haven't been over the last few no. years when you've been building something. Well, yeah, I mean, it, all it's been about for us is just trying to build good people we are very lucky that we've got a good rugby team as well you know on the back of it but they're all good lads they're all great lads who within the world of um as an open age group all together you know not not just like today's team but 
everybody. So and you can tell that togetherness. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. They, I think I think more than anything, their friendships are huge. You know, and that's one of probably the most pleasing things for us, really. You know, so yeah. Um, I, I know it's I know it's difficult for me to then go. I know if you got next up because I want to give you the chance to go and enjoy yeah. what's left of this week. Um, it's we got? I think we've got Drillington next week. So okay. okay. So yeah, we've got a few days off now, and then we need to get back training, look after a few lumps and bumps, and uh, go from there again. Uh, I, I'm not very initiated when it comes to standard cups, as you can tell. This is an older accent. I'm yes. from Lee. Um, I've really enjoyed the atmosphere. Of it's this been great. It's yeah, been fantastic. Hasn't it? It's been a long time since I've seen a standard cup like this as well. You know, so it only breeds well for, for rugby in town, really. Which, you know, at the moment, it's our turn. You know, Saddleworth, St Anne's, you know, great clubs, and they've all had great success. It's just our turn at the moment. It's just being able to keep building on it and keep it going, you know. Thanks, Keith. I'll go and let you enjoy it. So there was Keith Brennan uh, enjoying after the game. It was a, a real tough encounter. Uh, great atmosphere, by the way. You could probably hear the, the, the banging music behind and there was lots of people uh, enjoying the aftermath. Some heading off to the uh, uh, the, the championship game between uh, Rochdale and Oldham, which, uh, you know, was coming straight afterwards. It's a tradition. He's that. So, uh, yeah, uh, f- fantastic occasion, though. Proper rugby league town, Dave, isn't it? It's as it's it's as rugby it's as rugby league as anywhere you can care to mention it. Really, is the oh, the, role, the the role of honour from that early is astonishing. I'll tell you what I do love, Dave. When I hear you say, "Well, I probably shouldn't ask this straight after the game." But I'm gonna. <laughs> but I'm gonna. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you don't want people, you know, resting too much on the laurels because oh, there's always yeah. another game. There's always no, another game in there. It's got to be your tagline, that. But I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Top class, mate. Top class. Uh, so it would be remiss of us not to also reflect on the NCL game at the weekend. Uh, Premier Division coverage started on our league. Lockrow Onyx twenty six, Egremont Rangers fourteen. I want your thoughts, really. What did you think of the actual game? Well, for, Steve, I'll come to you first. Yeah, well, from my point of view, uh, enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I tipped Wathborough, uh, like I think most people had done the week before, uh, and possibly thought it was going to be a bit of a walkover. But to be fair, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 it, it was one of those where uh, uh, when the guy got sent off, for, and rightly so, I must admit, uh, it was one of them were how do you play against 12 men because the the other team Agramont just settled down and just seemed to not be bothered about it they played some cracking rugby really good stuff and Wasbrow just went off to boil uh, and you know just did, didn't seem to know what to do they lost the, the structure to, to a certain degree but the actual game as a whole was, was really really good I, I, I did enjoy it and like you were saying on the commentary as well what a backdrop, the Lake Districts in the background. It's absolutely superb. And, and the day as a whole, again, like I said at the beginning of the show, it was a credit to those people up there. Uh, and, and, you know, because it's it was a big event, uh, not just the rugby, but, I mean, it, it being on the, the Our League app as well. But, uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Cracking game. Uh, and, Eddie, you said to look out for that backdrop. Oh, it definitely delivered, mate. Oh, I I love going to Wathbrow. I've been there a number of times. The, but I can um, assure people that if you go there in a, in a semi-final for the grand final, getting towards it, it can get a little bit wet and windy up there. It isn't always as picturesque as that. 
the the game, you know, Dave, we we played we at Pilks, we played Egremont early in the season and um I have no hesitation of saying we should have beaten. We should have beaten, we could have beaten. The nailed us in the first 25 minutes, but then it was and we, we lost by two points. So I was so impressed with what especially when they went a man down there, I was so impressed with what they did. But what now on their own pitch, Dave, they're formidable, aren't they? In 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 any weather, it's it's there. I think Fields, Jamie Fields said the other week, didn't he, that they've got this ability when they're at home, Wathbrow, to make it go how they want it to go. And it doesn't matter what the conditions are. The crowd, uh, it's one of... I've been as a neutral and I've been there as an opposition. And it's a much more pleasant place to be as a neutral than it is as an opposition, I can promise you that. The whole setup in it, yeah, I thought it was remarkable. What what I am going to say, Dave, and say even if you weren't here, I've said this to people in different places. The commentary, mate, was top draw. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I thought for the first time out, the whole effort, the whole way it came across. I think it's a credit to every every one of you that was involved with that. It was absolutely superb, and I believe is is the ten. NCL matches you're putting on it. I wish it was a, I wish it was a lot more. Um, I'm looking forward to the next one. But like, like you say, going back to the game itself, the location, Cumbrian derby, the crowd, the the whole shebang. It was fantastic, and I enjoyed it. It was, I, I enjoyed it beyond words, really, mate. It was um, tremendous, absolutely tremendous, pal. I've got to say, Wapro do a, a a really good post match meal as well. Uh, they treated us. We were really treated. It was lasagna wall to wall. I do. I like. To, I know. The last time we went up there in that semi final, and it was sideways rain. And when I say it was bad, it was shocking. But the the it's a nice place to go, isn't it? It's. I know when the game is on, it's a little bit tasty if you're in opposition. And but what I, I just love it. It's, it's one of my favourite places. I can't credit them enough. Genuine rugby league people. I can't wait to go back. To be honest, it'd be fantastic to revisit. Um, you know, and, and I'll say the same about Egremont as well. You know, brilliant people. Um, I thought Matty Buescher, he's a guy that I've not seen, believe it or not, before. What a player! What a couple of finishes he can work with. Absolutely brilliant. Was it? Was and it in the dummy? Was it him who gave the dummy for the, the first? It was, time? yeah, oh. yeah. And I, I think I described him as oh. being like a magician. Oh, it yeah. was that. Good. Well, well, you've, you've timed it. The, the coverage was timed perfect because we play Wathbrow on Saturday. So. <laughs> and, and, you watch, and you watch it and you're thinking, hmm. <laughs> well, of, but, course, uh, of course, Ellison Holgate played as well, who yeah, I, I spoke really highly good. of last year from his game against the, the Irish very clubs good. for, uh, you know, England under-23s. Mm. Um, he could easily step up into the yeah. pro ranks, in yeah. my opinion. He was very good. Very good. I, I think we say often, don't we, that there's many players in the NCL that could step up into the pro ranks, but there's so many mitigating circumstances, whether it to be with career, work, employment, the things that pay the bills. But we've said often, haven't we, that there's an off, and Fields, he said it the other week, and we all know that some of the supposed amateur clubs are run better than some of the alleged professional clubs. 
and that goes to the playing staff as well. Some of the players are stunning in that um, division. Well, in all three of those divisions. So that's our thoughts of what actually happened on the field. But more importantly, let's hear from one of the players. So I spoke to Wokbrow Hornets skipper, Frank King. Well, I'm joined by Wokbrow skipper, Frank King. Fran, um, that was my first Cumbrian derby uh, between Wokbrow and Egremont. I really enjoyed it. Finished a win for yourselves, 26 points to 14. What was it like to play in? Um... Probably not as enjoyable as, as it might have seemed. Um, all Cumbrian derbies generally turn out crappy, and there's sometimes a bit of an anticlimax. And that, it, to, for us, that's what happened really. I think we got dragged into a bit of a dogfight, and uh, to be fair, I think the best side lost. To be honest, we didn't do too good, but you can't be negative about it. Within, so you got to take the positives, and a, a win's a win in the end of the day. Uh, I will come to you about that first half because I thought yeah. that's when you certainly played your, your more constructive rugby. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, get yourselves out to a, a fourteen-six advantage. Couple of real smart tries actually from Sam Kerwin. Yeah, I think we, we set off well, and I think we were probably better against that in, which is strange to say. Really, I think after the sending off, somehow I don't know how it affected us more. And yeah, we went in at half time probably still a bit negative on. We felt we could have been a little bit better, but that was just probably being be harsh on ourselves but yeah so far so good at that point yeah and Alison Holgate you know he's a, he's a guy I've seen play before he was dynamic first half absolutely running ragged yeah to be honest he's, he's like that week in week out for us anytime he gets half a chance he's away so if anything he didn't make as many breaks as normal to be honest so maybe a bit critical of him but yeah he's, he's, he's performing well for us at the minute. I suppose it's a good sign when you can be unhappy but still win yeah and I think that's been the story of our season to be honest we, we've finished games and we've probably been negative more than being positive but sometimes winning is a habit it's not a pretty habit at the minute but yeah we've just got to celebrate the win somehow yeah and got to take that it does become a habit and hopefully Long may I continue. Because I spoke to a few guys up and down the NCL, you know, lads like Jimmy Fields over at Unslet Club Parkside, and, uh, you know, he's been saying about there being a, a mixed start to the season for them after being in the Challenge Cup, etc., etc. Um, what do you put this down to, Real? Well, that, as you said there, sometimes the Challenge Cup has a knock on effect, and, and I don't think it's lucrative for the amateurs anymore, really. And it, as, as it shows, Unslet, they've probably been affected by that a little bit. So I was hoping for us not playing the Challenge Cup, being a bit more ready to go and I think we've started a bit slow and I thought we would build into it I did think it would take two, three, four games but for some reason we're still working our way into it but like I said earlier we are winning so mm. can't always be too critical but at some point we need to be better Yeah because you, you did have that spell where I think it was, must have been about 20 minutes where you didn't seem to be able to complete to set no. for one reason or another <laughs> Yeah I, I can't uh, put my finger on it why and that's probably credit to Egremond. I think um, they grafted a bit, bit harder than us, maybe, or, or whatever it was, and things fell fell their way, whether it was a bounce of the ball, but they probably earned that, so credit to them. And yeah, like you say, we just, we just couldn't complete. So, yeah, it's a bit of a shame for the, for the cameras, really. It didn't look the spectacle that it probably should have been, and it has been in previous games, but, yeah, wins a win. Uh, what's been your thoughts of getting the cameras there, and obviously the hourly coverage and additional people speaking about the game that, that you know, that possibly would do? Yeah, oh, positive, absolutely. I mean, it set off a few years back now with free sports, didn't it, with, um, with the lads there that made it it showcased the amateur game and we've been on a few times now and, and obviously final wasn't the best day but we've, we've played a few games on telly now against Kells against Egremond and it's good to show how good Cumbrian rugby league is um, yeah long may that continue as well I think that's the key it's how good Cumbrian rugby is I mean there were three deep queuing yeah. around, the, around the, 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 the sort of fences what an atmosphere yeah that's probably what the cameras maybe didn't see because it was heavily on this side of the field and, and normally I think there's normally more there to be honest so the cameras maybe make a bit of a less of a crowd because some people maybe couldn't get to the game and watch it on the app but yeah it was, it was a good turn I'll definitely on our side of things yeah who've you got next up 
I think we're away to Pilkett next week. Um, so They've had a mixed start to the season. Yeah, yeah, they have, yeah, but I think with us not being on, on top form, we hopefully can put things right there next week. Uh, fingers crossed, it's uh, a bit more convincing from you from your last visit into St. Helens, which was a draw <laughs> with Thatcher. Yeah, it was, and that's probably the best we've played. It was a bit. Bit, bit maybe scrappy again on that game but it was 8-8 eight, eight, and I thought we'd come away a bit disappointed because I thought we could have sneaked it later on and so yeah hopefully uh, we come away with the points anyway one way or another <laughs> Fran always good to catch up with you thank you so much mate no problem. I'll see you again soon mate yeah thanks for so there was Fran uh, talking after that. And it's it, interesting. He said they've not fired on all cylinders yet. The top of the league okay it's by point difference over West Hull at the moment but flipping it when they hit their straps they're going to be a good side aren't they? <laughs> You know it's going to happen on Saturday, don't you? <laughs> uh, so, yes, yeah, up against Pilkington Rex. Before we finish, let me just run through these fixtures from an NCL point of view. Premier Division, Egremont Rangers against Lee Miners Rangers. Pilkington Rex at home to Wathbury Hornets. Thornhill Trojans travel over to Rochdale Mayfield. Thatterweath Crusaders take on West Hull. Oh, humdinger. Siddle take on Lot Lane. Oh, another humdinger. And York Acorn take on Hunslet Club Parkside. I know Jamie Fields is looking forward to that one. We heard from him last week talking all about that. In Division 1, mouth-watering here as well. Featherstone Lions against Milford. Hull Dockers take on Mighton Warriors. Kells host Stanningley in what sounds like a stunning fixture. Skirler are at home to Ince Rose Bridge. West Bowling take on Saddleworth Rangers. Wigan St. Pat's at home to Alton Raiders. There's top of the table clashes everywhere you go in that division. Division 2, Barrow Island against Wigan St. Jude's. Beverly against Clockface Miners. Crossfields host Bradford Dudley Hill. We've heard all about the Dewsbury Derby. Dewsbury Moor Maroons take on Dewsbury Celtic. Hunslet Warriors are at home to Wollstone Rovers. Hewith travel over to Normanton Knights, who have been playing some sparkling rugby themselves. And in Division 3, it's Batley Boys hosting Seaton Rangers. Bentley, the latest club, to put themselves in front of East Leeds. Can they stop that juggernaut? Driglinton at home to Waterhead. Warriors, hopefully, Waterhead Warriors have come down from the last uh, week of uh, celebrations. They've been used to lifting cups, haven't they, over this last uh, short period of time. Eastmore Dragons at home to Oldham St. Anne's. Hensingham travelling down to Lee East and Shawcross Sharks host Millam. Oh, great, great week in prospect. Uh, gentlemen, absolute pleasure having your company this evening. Thank you ever so much for listening at home as well. Thanks as well to all our guests. So to Christian Floyd from Dewsbury Moor. Tyra Jones talking all about the development of girls game, refereeing uh, and a time at St. Helens I'm looking forward to a World Cup. Uh, to Frank King from Wathbrough Hornets, Keith Brennan from Waterhead Warriors and Danny Rogers, UK Armed Forces Women's Coach. Shall we do it all again next week? You bet we will.